Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Welcome to episode 153 of the Craft Heads podcast, the podcast about everything but also nothing, where every episode is something different. It is Wednesday, December 7th, and tonight I have recording here with me my lovely wife, Tara. Thank you for joining as always, Tara. Hello. And we are doing a movie rundown. Uh, But before I go into what a movie rundown is, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, uh, we appreciate you checking us out and listening, first of all. Uh, Half the time I have my best friend of 23 years Mm -hmm. on here with me. Other times, uh, Tara. Sometimes we have guests and do one-on-one like interview, uh, free flow style kind of stuff. But we sort of just like to change it up here on the podcast. And if you like what you hear, we would very much appreciate if you smash in a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening on. And also, if you find yourself being a regular listener and you want to be like part of the community, we do have an exclusive uh, Discord community. There's a uh, the Craft Heads podcast server that you can join, and all you have to do to be a part of that is uh, check us out on patreon.com slash craftheadspodcast if you want to support us financially. We have three different tiers, like $1 a month, $3 a month, and $5 a month with different perks for each. So we haven't done that in a while. just wanted to plug that in the beginning. We do have a, an active community on there with various channels, whether we're talking about, quote, not financial advice topics, uh, movies and shows, general banter, different different things like that. And we're always looking for new ideas to grow and and channels to focus things on. So we'd love to see you. We'd love to have you if you want to uh, join our, our small community. But also, if you're just here to listen and that's all you want to do, that's perfectly fine, too. We'd love to hear from you. Craftheadspodcast at gmail.com. I think that's enough of that for now. Yep. Tara, you're ready to begin movie rundown number eight. I sure am. So the movie rundowns, uh, again, for those of you who are here for the first time, we have a format where we run through a bunch of movies that we watched in the past you know, month or a couple of months. In this case, it's been a few months, I think, because we haven't watched quite as many. And we'll tell you the name of the movie, the year, the Rotten Tomatoes ratings for both the critics and the audience, uh, the runtime, the and then our rating, which we vary from must avoid at all costs uh, skip, watch, and must-see. I jump back and forth between must-see and must-watch. I don't know why, but we'll see what I say today. Before you dive in, do you want to introduce our first beverage? Absolutely, and, and thank you, Tara. So the other hallmark, of course, of Craft Heads is that we always have a beverage, and there's lots of cool stuff out around the holidays. Honestly, we've had so many interesting and crafty beers in our fridge lately, and I'm driving Tara nuts because she's like, what can I drink tonight? And I'm like, no, that's for the podcast. So the compromise was, okay, Tara, we can dive into this this variety unibrow six-pack. It's unibrow or unibro, not sure. But uh, you're probably a listener. If you're a beer drinker, you're probably familiar with their flagship beer, uh, La Fine du Monde, which, of course, is the end of the world in French. But this is a variety six-pack. I've never had any of the other ones. And as much as I wanted to have La Fine du Monde tonight, I wanted to try three new ones. So Tara, do you want to introduce the first one, read any facts you have on there? Oh God, I'll probably butcher it. Um, so this one is called the Blanche Chambly or Chambly. It is a Belgian style wheat ale. It is 5%. Looks amazing. Ale brewed with coriander and orange peel. I see here in this picture. Yep. And uh, we figured we'd start with the uh, a lower ABV because most of these are eight. Actually, most of them are nine and above. One of them is eight percent, and then of course this one's five percent. So we're going to drink three yep, on this episode and uh, try and get through them uh, the episode before we get completely sloshed. You have the first sip. Help yourself. 
Don't mind if I do. We have three clean glasses, but we're sharing out of them. So while Tara's sipping that one, I'll also tell you as a surprise, I have a segment at the very end of this one. Ooh, that's good. Yeah? Called Tommy's Corner, because he submitted five things for us to talk about um, on this one as well. And another change we have to the format is I did this one chronologically, because I want all the the more recent movies up front for me for us to talk about, and then we'll move backwards. So, listeners, uh, please let us know if you like that format better, or if you like the the random stuff better. But uh, let me have a sip of this here. Mm. What are your thoughts? It's like a uh, it's like an enhanced blue moon. Yeah, the way I describe that is that. Um Coriander, orange peel, like those flavor notes that make those Belgian style, um, what is it, wheat or white? Wheat ales. It's not as heavy. Yeah. It it doesn't like taste as like, I don't know, not like fake flavoring. You know what it tastes like to me? It's very mellow. It it tastes like like a blue moon that has already had an orange squeezed and dropped in it. Yeah. So it's kind of like if you were to have a Corona with a, but you have to add the lime. This is like a blue moon with the orange already added in a, in a slightly higher quality beer. Mm, it's like probably that. much higher quality, but it's good. I yeah, definitely it's recommend very, very it. Good. I'm excited to try the other stronger ones, but uh, uh, anyways, we can dive in here, Tara. We have uh, a couple dozen, it looks like. So starting at the top, you'll remember this one. Everything, everywhere, all at once, uh, 2022, critics 95, audience 89, and the runtime is 212. First of all, I, I know if there's any, if you need me to jog your memory on some of these, I can, but I know you remember this one. What would your watch? Yours is a watch? Yeah. My rating is also a watch. Um, I think, and in, in, sorry to cut you off, no, I, I was going to say, um, I thought it was a very good movie, well done, interesting. Um, and I think my reaction to the movie is more subdued than like the general public's reaction to that movie. I feel like that movie was like super hyped up and my, I watched it and I was like, oh, okay, like I, I get why it's getting hype. But like for me personally, it, it didn't hit that must watch status for some reason. So Tara, you just completely nailed pretty much what I wanted to say. And people who know me won't be surprised to hear me say this. I was a little annoyed with how hyped it was. I would call the film overrated. I think both of those ratings are too high, but I still think it's worth a watch because it was unique and fresh. But just being unique and fresh doesn't make a movie like, oh my God, it's worthy of all these awards. Like it was it was a good movie, you know? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And there was, there was a lot of, uh, God, I hope I'm not wrong on this. If this were my full-time, I would never be, uh, my full-time job, I'd never be wrong on the podcast, but <laughs> unfortunately it's not yet. Uh, I think it was, Mandarin Chinese? Some of it. Not all of it. There was um, probably I, I like... I have no idea. I can't I su- even speak to that. I swear there there was definitely a, an Asian language. I, th- I think it was Chinese. And that might have been like a quarter of the movie or a third of the movie. And plenty of it was English too. But that's another thing that actually I wanted to rant about later on another movie. But our, okay. uh, we'll talk about that more. Next movie, Where the Crawdads Sing, 2022. 34 critics, 97 audience... 205 runtime. 97 audience? Yeah. I would say watch for me. Me, me too. It didn't hit must watch status. Yep. So this was a uh, a movie that I I don't want to spoil anything. I know it's an adaptation of a novel, but basically it it explores the 
situation. Oh man, I actually I can't go into too much without no, spoiling because we, we don't we don't spoil movies on these rundowns. By the way, for everybody, unless we explicitly t- tell you that we're going to. All I will say is. Uh, I I like the overall message and sort of like thought experiment of the movie. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, it's a period piece. It takes place in the late sixties, I think. Late sixties in the South in very rural swampy. It was one coast, of the Carolinas, coast, North Carolina swamp area kind yeah, of it, North or South, and um, you know it deals with this girl who was basically raised uh, in in the swamp, like with her family. And then it's just sort of a social outcast or pariah as, as she uh, grows into an adult. I will say that it is incredibly similar to a film many of you might know from 1996 called A Time to Kill, which that's that's an excellent movie with a crazy ensemble cast. Um, Sandra Bullock, Samuel L. Jackson, Kevin Spacey. Ooh, we need to see that. Matthew McConaughey, both what? Donald and Kiefer Sutherland. What? It's insane. Oh um, my gosh. That's a great movie, but I would say that they're like really, really similar. I don't, I don't know why the critics gave it a, or um, that's not the what critics it is, but, don't know what they're talking about. But ninety-seven is also absurdly high. So in reality, yeah. yeah well, and on it, honestly, I just think critics are a little out of touch. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you're basically looking at like the opinions of twenty-five people who kind of. Uh, here I am going on a rant. I've had two sips, two sips of this beer already. Sippas of the beer and I'm just like these these critics are too too high on their horses and their on their pedestals um but no I honestly that's one of the things like Alex and I when we look at these movies and um you know shows we look at the comparison obviously we look at critics and we look at the audience and then we look at the disparity between the two yep and so usually if there's like a huge disparity we're like hmm okay there's something that the general person aka you know you and me yep would look at that and think, okay, this is probably going to be something we'll enjoy. Yeah, and, and a lot of times there's a, you know, there's that correlation. Whenever there's a really high audience and a low critics, it's probably a good movie worth watching. But um, yeah. anyhow, uh, moving on, Lou, we just watched this one with your mom up at uh, Thanksgiving. 2022, 69 critics, 61 audience, 147 runtime. Did you watch the whole thing? You watched Um I think I watched most of it except for like a little bit, like at the beginning maybe. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start with this one. I'm going to call it a skip. Yeah. That, that's my personal take on it. Uh, it's sort of a, a Taken-esque genre wannabe. And it's kind of... That's a good description. You know, it's one of those like moral gray area movies. And it just, it wasn't all that special. And it had a couple of flashes of, of cool things and, and, and like a little bit of that, that taken flavor to it that were well done. But it overall really wasn't that memorable. Yeah. And it had that, uh, God, I can't think of the guy's name and I hate when I do this, but it has the Tom Hardy knockoff. I know what his name is. It's, but I, it's, I it's escaping me at the moment. But yeah, yep, it, I would agree. Not amazing, I would say, but not terrible. I mean, either, if it was skip. if it was on the on like if you're scrolling through like on the DVR, which you wouldn't see this on DVR, but it's one of those movies where if you were just like channel surfing and you see it, you're like, oh, okay, fuck it, I'll just put this on. Well, this is um, you know I'm trying to be better as I talk about a lot, and I have a lot of skips in here, so that was one of them. Uh, next movie, Smile, 2022, 79 critics, 77 audience, 156 runtime. Uh, Tara, why don't you take that one? So it's a um, recent horror movie that just came out. I would say watch. Um, and so I know another um, critique that this movie got is that it, uh, 
it kind of has already not already been done, but like it wasn't new and novel. But there were certain parts of the movie that I thought were newish and, and like intriguing, and especially um, a moment at the end. And you might you might know what I'm trying to make this comparison to. Okay, so I think the movie is No One Gets Out Alive, and we, I think, covered this on a previous uh, movie rundown, and the ending of that movie, there's there's a scene that very much gives me the same kind of spooky weirdness vibe that the ending of the, uh, this movie gave me, Smile. So I would definitely say watch um, I wouldn't say much must watch. I mean, maybe you're going to say must watch. I don't know. No, not a must watch for me. It is a watch for me. Uh, so here's the thing. We all know, when, especially when it comes to a genre like horror, a lot of times there's nothing new under the sun. So you have to rely on on other things and like tried and true things like really solid jump scares, especially ones that you're not expecting. Hence a jump scare. Um, I will say this one had very fresh visuals. Like yeah. some of the things that I was like, oh, that's messed up. I, I love that feeling, especially in, in a sort of a, in like a visceral uh, horror film. So I definitely gave it a watch because of the fresh visuals. It's one of the cons is it's a little long. 156, I think is kind of pushing it for that movie. But overall, it's totally worth your time. Now, it's not malignant though. You know, it's like not, yeah. when I talk about a fresh horror movie and I say, oh, there's nothing new under the sun. That one that we we've reviewed that on the previous on a previous podcast. That's a, yeah, a fresh one. I enjoyed it. It, it, it freaked me out a little bit. And you, um, the one that you like, did like a weird smile, and I was like, you mm. quit that out. That's I'm true. Done. I do like to, done with to fool with terror like that. Um, next one, another horror movie that we just watched uh, last night as of this recording, Barbarian, uh, 2022, 92 critics, 71 audience, 142 runtime. Um, I'm going to give this one a watch also. So Tara, this drives me nuts about her, but sometimes she'll, she'll go on Wikipedia and just read the entire plot of a movie. And I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? Sometimes I just need to be prepared. Honey. Sometimes she just needs to be prepared. But, um, I will say it, it definitely airs more on the side of disturbing instead of like more of the visual horror stuff that you are going to find in smile. I will say the, the first half of the movie, I think, was better. They did an excellent job with suspense. There was also a really interesting cinematography. Like, I liked a lot of the camera work from behind people, almost like it was moving yeah. with them. That was really cool. Also fresh. I'm beating that word to death now. But, uh, yeah, I would give it a, I'd give it a watch. It's definitely, especially because it's a little bit shorter. Like, if you had to watch one or the other, it's kind of a toss-up, but maybe Barbarian because it's uh, I, I think, shorter and the suspense I think it really solid. depends on what you want. Yeah, it depends on what you want. Because I think, I think Barbarian had more kind of that suspense. It's also, in, I was about to say it's more over the top, but actually, I don't know, kind of a toss-up. They're, they're pretty much in the same class, I'm going to say. Yeah. If you want a horror movie, you probably can't go wrong with these two. So there yes, you go. I think Smile freaked me out a little bit more. Okay. Um, just because of the yeah. nature of what that was. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. In a weird way, it seems more believable. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, moving on to the next one, 20, uh, Morbius 2022. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, critics 15, audience 71, runtime 144. This one kind of came out of nowhere. Morbius is, of course, uh, a Marvel character, kind of a cool one. It just popped up. I was like, where did this come from? I saw no fanfare or anything like that or, you know, anybody pumping it up. Jared Leto, you know, he's a pretty 
esteemed actor. Uh, I also I liked the villain in it. His name is Matt Smith. He's kind of a kind of an ugly dude, but he's an interesting but, looking but interesting. actor. Yeah, I, I, ugly is a mean word because he's interesting, he's uni- unique, kind of like my weird man crush on Adam Driver. I wouldn't call Adam yeah. Driver a handsome guy, but I like the way he's he looks because he's yeah. interesting. And I we totally went off on my man crush uh, uh, tangent there, but I gave it a skip. I didn't give it a must avoid at all costs. Yeah, okay, and I will. I'll jump on the train with Skip. It, the one thing initially, um, you know, my biggest gripe with that movie, and this is not a spoiler, um, I thought the movie would have been a lot cooler if they didn't use the CGI. And I told Alex this while we were watching. I said the 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 CGI in that movie I thought was a little over the top to make up for the lack of like super superhero flashiness and craziness because it, it it's a darker movie it takes place like you know like nighttime settings and things like that and i just thought it would have looked a lot cool it it could have kind of taken a note out of the dark nights pages you know like like a little bit of like grittiness it almost felt like a little childish for like the t- like the content of what that movie was delivering and that upset me because i really wanted to like it. I agree with what you said, except you said a little over the top. The CGI was it was a lot of fucking awful. It was horrible and nonstop and just it honestly, so that was the worst part. It visually, even if it was you know with like really cool practical effects or whatever, I think it might have been possibly a watch. The CGI just made it really, really cheap and terrible. Or but, even uh, just the lighting. Like I know, like again, I'm going back to like the Dark Knight, but like using light and things like that to play off of like somber moods, dark moods, stuff like that. I mean, like they really could have made it a lot better. But again, I'm I'm not like, I'm not like furious that I watched it. I'm just saying it's even as a Marvel fan or a Morbius fan, maybe if you're a Morbius fan, I still, I'm thinking skip. Um, next movie, Prey 2022 critics, 93 audience, 73 runtime, 139. So this is the latest entry in the Predator franchise, which has had a couple stinkers in the in the past few in the franchise. And this one kind of for me like scraped up on must watch. I didn't give it that. I gave it a strong a, a solid watch. Um I admit I think I do need to rewatch it. I was under the influence when I first saw it and I've only seen it one time. I want to get your opinion, Tara, uh, but I'm going to say definitely a watch. One thing that I think would make it would have made it way cooler is it takes place in 1719 in the Northern Great Plains. They have like a, an almost fully indigenous casting, certainly for all the the really big uh, important characters, uh, and it's it's with the Comanche Native Americans. And I mentioned that I wanted to go on a rant about language, and I would have loved it if they filmed it with the Comanche language. It, in, as the native film and then dubbed it with English or, or, or you know, just watch it with uh, English subtitles. Instead, of course, they filmed it in the lingua franca and then they did a dub of Comanche, which is beautiful. That's one. Of, I think it's one of the first like large films that they've done it, done a Comanche dub. But, you know, I, I really feel like I could have gotten even more immersed into the into the world of the movie. But it, it was you know, just that alone might not have necessarily made it a must watch, but it was a very good movie. If, if they had done exactly what you said in the, and this is what I was kind of pissed about, um, for myself, I'm just kind of looking at this and it, and it takes you out of that setting. Cause I'm, that's how I am as I read as well. Like 
I get very into like the world building, like in the zone, like you're really trying to like live in the story itself. And the movie was beautiful. I loved the story. Like I, I thought the filming was great. There was great practical effects as well, which you can definitely tell because it's super quality, like in terms of like the image. But the one thing that sucked, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's just like kind of like you and me having a conversation. I'm like, there's no way, you know, tribal Comanche um, peoples would be speaking that way. Like there's just no yeah. way that that would be how that they, they, they talked in that time. And so that was just so irritating. Like I'd rather just watch the film with subtitles and I just, Same. I, you know what I think it is? I think, I think it's people who can't read fast. Well, it, and it, it's money. It's, it's about money. mass yeah, appeal. I mean, Ugh. there there are lots of people I know who refuse to watch a movie in a foreign language, which is that's just disappointing in my opinion. And and some people who can't stand subtitles either. And that's that's more of a preference thing. But yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's it's not the end of the world. I just think that that would have been a really cool thing next time, especially for Comanche people. You know, that just would have been really awesome. But my favorite thing about that movie is there is I won't give any spoilers. There's a direct tie-in to something that happens in Predator 2. And I was like, oh, as a long, I mean, I've been a fan of the, of the first two Predator movies since they came out as I was a child. Well, I watched two. I watched them both super young. Of course, two came out in the, like, I think maybe mid-90s, late-90s. Um, great films. First one's, yeah. first one's still the best. I mean, no matter what. But this was a very good movie. I was a big yep. fan. I liked it. I can't wait to watch it again with the uh, the dub. And, and sober. Uh, and so sober, yeah. I have watched, uh, or I just poured our second beer. This is, again, these are all from Unibrow, Unibro, whatever it is. This is Trois. Is it Trois or Trois? Let's go Trois. Is it? It's three. You know, French three. En du Trois. Trois. Okay. Trois, trois Pistol. I, I don't think it's Pistole, so that would be Spanish. I didn't do French. <laughs> French was not. <laughs> yeah, because uh, to my point that we were just having, we're garbage Americans and can only speak one language. I can pretty much speak Spanish, but you know, uh, this is not a Belgian style, dark, strong ale, 9%, uh, ale brewed with spices, just like the, uh, the Fiendemon. So you do the honors. All right. Taking a quick, quick sip so I can pass it to Tara. Mm. It is, it's stronger for sure. I mean, you can taste the 9%. I'm getting a lot of, uh, I'm getting cherry out of that at least just as i'm sitting here babbling and trying to record a podcast that's kind of one of the things that i'm i'm tasting in there what about you um i don't know if it's specifically cherry but i can definitely get like a fruity the art on the bottle is super cool it's very dracula looking oh very all, every single every shit. single one has their own um like one of those gothic kind of art styles with, you know, whatever pictured in the background and like that horse it's solid. in the sky. Yeah. I dig it. All right. So next one, Beavis and Butthead do the universe 2022, 97 critics, 84 audience runtime, 126. Um, Tara, I would, before we do our rating, I will say the movie is not, like laugh out loud funny the entire time it is patently beavis and butthead like if you're a beavis and butthead fan you're gonna love it obviously and i haven't seen do america since i was in my teens which i need to rewatch that there is one scene that you listener may or probably have already seen where they 
they sort of go, there's, they start off in a classroom and there's this whole thing about white privilege and it is absolutely hysterical. It's comedic gold. If it, if it offends you, you don't think it's funny. I'm sorry. I can't help you, but it's truly hilarious because Mike judge does a, he has always done a tremendous job of sort of straddling the line and, and I, I think he's he's probably a, a fairly progressive dude, but he also knows how to like poke fun at himself and and you know just at both parties really. And he just does a really good job of of straddling straddling that line without being canceled. That one scene is like absolutely hilarious. The rest of the movie is not necessarily that funny. There are pretty funny moments. My rating, unless you're a Beavis and Butthead fan, you can probably skip it. Yeah, I was just going to say, unless you're a huge Beavis and Butthead fan. It's also only an hour and 26 never, minutes long. Yeah, that's true. It's only an hour and a half. Um, I guess for me, if I had watched more Beavis and Butthead, yeah. I probably would have a higher rating. Excuse yeah. me, a higher rating for it. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely a nostalgic factor, I think, uh, for a lot of people who who have seen it and, and laud it. Uh, I'll just say, as far as Mike Judge's works go... And more poignant pieces. Go go watch Idiocracy because that's uh, that's getting oh truer gosh. and truer every year. But it it was it was not not funny. I'm not saying, you know, don't watch it, avoid it. I'm just saying on my list, it was one of the ones that I was just like, oh, you know, I'm glad I saw it because like I can talk yeah. about it now. But it, it wasn't the whole thing was not hilarious. And that's you know I was watching watching it for laughs really. Um, next one, Till Death. This one is 2021. 90 critics, 55 audience, 128 runtime. You know when we're inside that 90-minute uh, runtime, I'm going to give it bonus points. This was the one with uh, Megan Fox. She woke up to her husband handcuffed to her, dead. Like when they were, they sort of went away and... Oh, yeah. It had like a similar vibe of... It has um, Gerald's Game vibes. Gerald's Game vibes yes. at the beginning. Dif- different circumstances, but... Very similar vibes, especially with the isolation and everything. Um, it's not a bad movie. I I gave it a skip because it, it's truly, you know, it's. I it's, gave it a skip. It's nothing special. Here's the thing: it's an hour and twenty eight minutes long. It's yeah. the kind of movie that if you're into that, what I just described, like the Gerald's Game thing, I'm going to call it a, a thriller. I mean, like cat and mouse a little bit. Cat, whatever. Very cat and mousey. It's you're not going to regret watching it. I'm just saying it's not amazing. That's yep. all. I would agree. Um, Eli. So now we're moving off. We're going to start going backwards because that last one was 2021. So we're done with the 2022 movies. Eli is 2019, 48 critics, 38 audience, 138 runtime. I actually snoozed a little bit in the middle of it, if you recall. What was this This one? was the kid getting an experimental operation. Oh, my gosh. Here's what I will say. My rating overall is a skip, but... Wait, I don't think I watched this. Yes, you watched it. You watched the whole thing. I did? Yes. Although so, that right there, guys, you can tell that's a skip because like, I don't yeah, remember it. I'll, I'll just say uh, if you are looking for something with a decent twist, it delivers there. The, the entire movie is not stellar, but it was kind of a fun twist at the end. So if you're looking for a movie with a good twist, you might want to look into it. But going with, with my, my formal recommendation is you can probably skip it. Yeah, and I'm just gonna like sleuth over yeah, here take a, take just to a look, see though. if I like. Um, caliber. It looks like Calibre, but I think it's just you know a different spelling yeah, caliber. for Caliber. Uh, 2018, 95 critics, 74 audience, 141 runtime. Basically, these guys go on this hunting trip and accidentally kill somebody. A 
and then yeah, a kid. It's it's horrifying to think of. And what winds up transpiring is kind of believable, I suppose. But um, it was kind of a long ride for a whole lot of nothing. So while it might be relatable, like of an absolute nightmare horror story, if you were if you're a hunter, maybe. But overall, I would say it's a skip. You remember yeah. that movie? Okay, I yeah. remember Eli. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, funny ending, right? <laughs> the movie starts off, and you think it's not gonna go like you think it's gonna go a certain way, and then it goes yeah. a completely different yeah, way, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Okay, it, it fooled me. So uh, here is my first on the. I'm gonna preface this with must see on my list. Actually, I only have two must sees on here. Wow, Legend, 2015. 61 critics, 59 audience, which is nice and very fair and balanced, yeah. as some might say. Um, 211 runtime. Like I said, must-see. This is a Tom Hardy movie. I always, you know, since... I, I'm, I'm definitely not a Tom Hardy hipster because, you know, I, he really... Uh, I became more acquainted with him with Dark Knight Rises, and then I started watching a lot of his movies. This was my first time watching Legend, and I will tell you that Tom Hardy is a legend. So he plays the, can you look them up for me, please, honey? Find out what their names are. They're, they're an English set of twins from the mid-20th century who ran crazy organized crime in, in, um, in London or somewhere in England. And, it, you know, it's based on a true story. These, these guys really existed. And it just took my appreciation for his acting to a whole new level because, of course, he's playing himself in... Cray. Cray the Cray brothers. They're, um, he plays two very different twins with different personalities and proclivities and preferences. The way preferences. they speak, yeah. The way they speak, but my God, he's just so good at being in character for both of them. He's good just, range. He, he is an extremely talented actor. I mean, most of us already knew that, but... I, this is as good of a OC gangster film as I've seen. I mean, it's it's really up there for me. I was a, an incredibly big fan, so I would highly recommend checking out Legend. Is that yeah. a watch or a must-see um, for you? A watch for me, not a must-see. If, if you really want to see Tom Hardy in his element, I would say must-watch because... That alone, watching him do that and like how well he did that was incredible. And so now that I know you're a super Tom Hardy fanboy, I have a movie to put on the list for the next time we do a rundown. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Um, spoilers. Uh, let's see here. It Follows. 2014, 95 critics, 66 audience, 141 runtime. This was the movie where... You have intercourse and you get this curse. Oh. And if you don't have intercourse again in a certain period of time, the curse kills you. It, oh. and that's, but you got to pass it on so you don't die. Okay. I I kind of enjoyed the the suspense maybe in the first half or something. And you're noticing a recurring theme here. I say that a lot of times. And, and I coined something while I was taking my notes. I prepare more for these movie rundowns than any other type of podcast we do, which is yeah. hilarious. And because I, because I have to make these charts that I read off of and it has rich, the ritual syndrome. So I can't remember if this, if we were doing the movie rundowns when we first watched a movie called the ritual from 2017, um, I, but it was, it was a halfway decent, like mystery horror in the woods kind of movie. 
And they did a fantastic job for maybe the first half, maybe even first two thirds to first three quarters two thirds, of the movie. Because actually movie. three quarters. And then when you when the big reveal happened, it kind of sucked. And I wasn't afraid anymore. And th- that's just something that happens, I, I feel, a lot in, in thrillers and in horror movies where the buildup is great and then the payoff isn't there. So I give, you know, big bonus points to ones that really nail it. And movies like this, it just kind of flopped. And I, again, wasn't angry that I watched it, but it's not enough for me to say go out of your way and spend an hour and 41 minutes watching it. So I gave it a skip. Do you remember, um, did you ever see Bird Box? Yes. That's a okay. great example. No, So Bird Box actually did not have a big reveal. You remember that, right? They didn't actually show a monster in that movie in mm-hmm. their they said that the success of that movie is attributed to the fact that there wasn't a huge reveal because you as an audience member are just as scared of whatever it is. Or mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you, you're making up something in your head on your own, in your own imagination. And so they said that the success of that movie was attributed to that. Also, that movie just wasn't that great to begin with, though, in my opinion. I don't yeah, know. I mean, it wasn't terrible. I, yeah. I'm just that it didn't have ritual sy- syndrome. I'll, I'll say that yeah. uh, per se. It's because, you know, because they, they did keep that sort of a secret. Um, let's see. Okay. So this, a couple of times on these rundowns, I have done, I've covered a movie that, you know, I've seen a zillion times or whatever, but I just think it's relevant to bring up on these because they're important movies. So I have to work backwards here because of the the chronology, the the years. But this is the thing pre-sequel because we just recently watched both things, the original for the trillionth time. The pre-sequel was, it came out in two. Prequel. Right. I'm saying that facetiously because Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, yeah. So 2011, 34 critics, 42 audience, 143 one time. I have watch in quotes because it's not a bad movie. Ironically, the reason it one of the reasons it didn't do very well is because the Dutch director, like he really wanted to honor John Carpenter's original work and do all mm-hmm. practical effects in shitty ass, I don't know, Universal Studios or whoever it was, Paramount, whatever, probably Universal. They're like, no, it has to be CGI. The audience wants CGI. And th- like the CGI is not great. It's not terrible. Yeah. It's not great, but it takes away from the magic of the original. But it's it's definitely worth seeing, but it because it it covers the events leading up to the original 1982 film. But if you have not seen the thing, this is shame my, on you. No, not shame on you. This is my like plea to you. Please watch the 1982 thing. 84 critics, 94 audience, 148 runtime. The thing is a top 10 of all time movie for me. Yeah, I would it, agree. It, the it same is, for me. It is truly. Perfect. Yeah, it's it's John Carpenter's best work, in my opinion. It has legendary composer Ennio Morricone. Uh, many of you will, will know his name from lots of different films, inc- including like ten, uh, Quentin Tarantino stuff. But just everything about it is is incredible. And it's I always describe it to people who haven't seen it as an exercise in human paranoia. Yes. I mean, it's just, I don't want to say anything other than that. But if you have not seen the, the original thing, please watch it. And then you're going to want more. And then you can watch the pre-sequel, which is not a waste of time. It's just, it can't hold a candle to the original. Yeah, I would definitely say watch the original. And then um, one nice touch that I liked, the end of the pre-sequel, I'll keep in faith of what you have, you, mm-hmm. how you've dubbed it. The ending of that movie as it's going through the credits 
leads into and match somewhat matches the opening of the original movie. So they oh, kind it leads of, right up to it. It leads right up to it. So to it's, the it's, it's like it's almost like if you watched the pre-sequel and then the original, it would be like a conscious string of events occurring. Exactly. Yeah. So I really, I honestly, thank God they did that. That was super cool. With yeah, the CGI, I, I you know, I'm, thank I'm God they were able to do that. So that that's why I enjoyed the pre-sequel because you get more of that story. When, yep. Yeah. So I have uh, I have two more movies, and then uh, those couple other bonuses I talked about. Uh, these these are super random. So going far farther back, further back, the other guys, 2010, 78 critics, 60 audience, 147 runtime. This is a buddy cop movie with Will Ferrell and Marky Mark. Marky Mark. I love Marky Mark. I think Will Ferrell is tragically overrated and overexposed. I don't hate the guy. I just think he's really a lot of his stuff isn't that funny. I don't think this movie is an exception. I give this movie a skip for sure, but there was one part that almost made me piss myself. The, and I'll just say desk pop. You've done desk pop. Desk pop was absolutely brilliant. The rest of the movie is just utterly skippable. Not an avoid at all. I didn't have any avoid at all costs on here, but that yeah, one. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like, again, one of those movies, like I'm trying to think back to like 2010 at my parents' house. They've got the right. the TV um the hell was a direct TV guide up and I'm like flipping through and then I'd see like other guys on. I'm like, Oh, I'll just throw this on. Cause it's so it's much whatever. of his shit yeah. is just the same. And leading into the next one, semi pro 2000, oh my God. <laughs> two, 2008, 22 audience, 38 critics, 131 runtime. I viewed this one more favorably yeah, for, a couple honestly, of, for a couple of reasons. This one, the 131 runtime, that is a good amount of time for a comedy. You got people for 90 minutes. I give it a watch. First of all, it has my all-time favorite rapper. It has Andre 3K in it. And the Woody Harrelson edition mm-hmm. was also excellent. And I just thought there there were more moments that made me laugh. So I did like Semi-Pro. And um, in my opinion, for like, not, not Buddy Cop, but I'm talking about like, if you just want to look at like Will Ferrell movies where he's being Will Ferrell and it's supposed to be a comedy. I think semi-pro is one of the most unique plots, the story yeah. in that movie. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know why this is relevant for some reason, but I had no idea that the setting for that one was Flint, Michigan. It was kind of like a, yeah. a different, uh, a positive time for Flint, Michigan to be in the spotlight. And that, again, that was 2008. So that was a while ago. God, 14 years. Um, the series is, that's the first bonus. I have two series. Tara, oh. Resident Evil. Oh. So the Resident <laughs> Evil TV series on Netflix, 2022, 54 critics, 26 audience. There are eight episodes. They're, you know, whatever, and roughly an hour each. I will say just like three things. The, my rating, tell me if you agree, Tara. Watch for fans only of Resident Evil franchise. Yes. Wait, and even some of those people should skip. Yes. You have to be hardcore. So yeah. Tommy and I are lifelong hardcore Resident Evil freaks, and it's kind of like a do-no-evil franchise, even though they have done plenty of evil and shitty pieces of media and video games. But I... And I've turned Terra into a Resident Evil acolyte of sorts. She's seen me play almost every single one of the games, um, certainly all the ones that matter. And I will say that, 
Lance Reddick as Albert Wesker single-handedly makes it worth watching, especially toward the end. Oh my God. Lance Reddick is a god among men. He, he is. is one, he's, I think he is probably one of my favorite actors. I. He's probably a top 10 for me. Yeah. I could not agree with you he more. He was so interesting in that show. He was the most redeeming part of it. I just love Lance Reddick so much as a human. I I like I like watching him. He, he, I, you could put he he's one of my man crushes, I think. And he has this swagger when he walks yes. all the time. It doesn't matter whether you're watching something from 15 years ago or today. I love his swagger. And okay, so I'll bring up you were talking about Tom Hardy and his little um experiment with the two different personas in that movie Legend. Mm-hmm. Lance Reddick does the same thing for Resident Evil. Yeah, don't, and I'm don't not going to spoil much, anything, yeah. but like he is just, I love him. Yeah, he's great. If you took him out, oh, I'd be there's so literally, I probably wouldn't have watched after the first No, episode. there's literally nothing redeeming about it otherwise. If you took him out, I would, I would probably call it a void at all costs. Yeah. But uh, yeah, good try, Resident Evil, once again. Good try, Netflix. I would have kept watching, but... There was a lot of cringe. There actually, there was so much cringe again, that I couldn't deal with. Fucking garbage. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, one what's more, next? one more mini series, and I think you're going to agree with me on this. Stephen King's Storm of the Century. <sighs> so my parents were in town. I don't know, inside of six months ago, and my dad was just flying around on Hulu one of the nights last nights when he was here, and he was just like, "Oh, you want to watch this?" And I was I was like triggered because I saw series and i was like how are you gonna come up in my house and be like oh you want to watch this entire television like you want to start this like you know how you those how are fighting weird words. I, yeah, that's <laughs> those are fighting words with me and then i was like oh there's only three episodes it's a mini series plus i think like an hour each i love stephen king stuff uh I, I also have a little bit of nostalgia from my own childhood watching stuff with my dad like the langoliers and the stand miniseries so I looked it up, 82 audience, uh, or I'm sorry, critics, 86 audience. There's only three episodes, or I think they were about an hour each, maybe a little longer, something like that. It's like watching a, it's like watching a Tarantino movie. Let's put it that way. I gave it a strong watch. I'm not going to call it a must watch, but I thought it was a great film. Basically, there are these people up in Maine, definitely New England. Maine on an island, and there's a nor'easter yes. blowing through, and so there's all these people preparing for this storm, and then there's some kind of some not, wicked dude wi- shows yeah, up. Yeah, some wickedness this way comes. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, oh my gosh, I really want to give it a must watch. It's great, it, especially I, considering it's only a few hours. It, it three hours. I mean, think of all the movies that we watch that are two and a half, and it's and like, okay, well, if you sat through two and a half hours of shit movie. What's an extra half an hour? And, and you can break it up throughout the week, too. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. Sometimes it's almost nice to take a departure from the modern stuff and, like, you know, kind of relive a little bit of 90s energy. Yeah, it was, I, it, it's a great, it's a really cool miniseries. It has, it, it, I the main it, star yeah. is Tim Daly, who, Sopranos heads out there. He was J.T. Dolan, the TV writer and general shitbag later on. Uh, so, actually, he kind of turned himself around. That's a funny thing. Yeah. But anyways, um. Great. He does a great job. I like Tim Daly. Also, Colm Fior, I think is how you pronounce it. You you will probably recognize his face. I can't name a bunch of stuff that he's in, but uh, he does a great job as well. And it's just, it's a really cool show. And, and it, it has some thing vibes, you know, where like people are 
are they're getting claustrophobic and isolated and terrified and and paranoid uh, yeah, of each I other mean, and like, turning think- on each other and I, I like the overall message message of the movie and I'm just gonna say generally if you do watch it I'm on I'm on Tim Daly's side in the okay, movie. Okay, that's it. That's all you need to yeah, say. Yeah, I'm on Tim. I, I'm I'm on his character's side because like just no. Yeah. To what I, happens. I um I think it's a really cool that that's like a nice suspenseful thrillery kind of horror basically. Um, Def- psychological psychological horror. horror yeah. Um, definitely. So. And there are, there are some some freaky visual things too as well that happen kind of out of nowhere. So I mean yep. you know comes with the territory with Stephen King. So anyhow, that's the end of our list. I told you we were going to have Tommy's Corner. Let's want to do the last yeah, bed yeah, bridge yeah, for Tommy's Corner. Definitely. This is fun. I feel like it's like a little episode of Blues yeah. Clues or something. Yeah, sorry. I just polished that off because I just wanted to be quick. So here, I'll give you the, the opener. And I'll give everybody, while Tara is pouring that final beer, we have three movies and two series that he sent us. He he did not provide additional context, but you know I did all the standard research. Plus, he gave us his ratings. So, without further ado, Tara is uh, pouring the. So this is great. I told you their flagship that you've probably either seen or had before is called La Fine du Monde. But this is you can pour it. Hard pour. I didn't know if you needed oh, to read it. No, of course, hard pour. This is Senepa, La Fine du Monde, which that means it is not. The end of the world, which I think is kind of clever. So, this is an IPA from them, and even though I'm not like a massive IPA guy, I I know that you know this is a, a pretty esteemed brewery, and, and I like their flagship beer so much. I'm, I'm actually really excited to try it. So, uh, while we're letting the head get down there, I'll start off with the first one that Tommy mentioned. Don't worry, darling. 2022. 38 critics, 74 audience, 203. Runtime. He gave it a skip. Um, I don't know a whole lot about what it uh, what it's about. You know, I, I like took a quick look at it, but I did see that it has Florence Pugh in it. Who she's one of those names that like kind of appeared out of nowhere, and I'm just like, where yeah, did you come from? No, but she's in mid Midsummer. That is it. That's how yes. she got her big break because uh, that was I I liked that movie. Well, she did a good job, and that's that's a we covered that in a previous rundown and. Totally check that movie out. It's it's super wild. Actually, I, I think I'd like to watch it again sometime because um, I don't remember if we saw the director's cut or not. But And then another name that some of you might know, Harry Styles. I don't know anything about Harry Styles. I'm sick of hearing his name. I literally have no idea he's of anything mu- that he's in. Musician. Oh, terrific. So probably pop, right? Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't listen to him. So yeah, but Tommy said skip. Uh, so don't watch, don't worry, darling. According to Tommy, I, I'm inclined to trust him, especially on a two hour, three minute movie with, uh, Harry Styles. Um, next movie, last scene alive, 2022, 15 critics, 35 audience, 135 runtime. Despite that attractive runtime, those are pretty damning reviews whenever, you know, both parties are pretty aligned there. And sure enough, Tommy gave it a skip. It is a Gerard Butler film, which I feel like Gerard Butler has kind of like fallen off. He, his heyday is probably behind him, if I had to take a guess. Um, that's that's the 300 guy, right? I'm not yes. being stupid. His two giant movies that I can think of are 300. And what was the one? Shit. Um, P.S. I Love You? No, I remember seeing that one. There is one other, I feel like people, as they are, 
listening to this or screaming right now at the podcast. And I just tried to type Gerard Butler and my phone corrected it to Hitler. So I think uh, Apple personally should be canceled. But, uh, oh, here we go. Last seen alive, Gerard Butler, law-abiding citizen. That's the one I was trying oh to think. Oh, my God. Okay, law-abiding citizen. Oh, that movie was... I remember it being pretty good. That was a 2009 movie. I thought the ending was, what, satisfying or, or no? I, I thought it. I thought there I was, like, know. some satisfaction in parts I, of that I just, movie. I just remember that between 300 and that... Uh, those were like a really big break. And then there's those has fallen movies like Olympus has fallen and whatever yeah. else. They probably made six of them. I don't know. I didn't see those, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not poo pooing the guy's career. I, I, I don't know that much about him. I just, I feel like I used to hear a lot more about big movies that he was in that were pretty well received versus now. I'm not surprised to that. Um, this one sounds like it was definitely a flop. Um, next movie memory. Actually, Tara, did you take the first sip or not? I didn't no. see No. Go ahead. You do the honors, okay. and I will talk on this next movie. Memory, 2022, 29 critics, 81 audience, 154 runtime. Now, to me, that's a flag for a good movie whenever you see the critics shitting on it and the audience loving it. Here's the crazy thing. Tommy said, he, he, I love whenever we mix these words up. He labeled it must never see. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. Avoid at all costs. I I think I kind of want to watch it. I mean, for him to have that reaction to it, and I trust him, it probably sucks dick, but I kind of want to see it considering a lot of the audience loved it. And it's it's a Liam Neeson film, and Martin Campbell directed it. I don't know who He's responsible is. for a top five movie of mine, Casino Royale. Oh. So this is not some dumpy director and some shitty lead cast. I mean, these are big names. I, it does, just looking at the movie art, it looks like a Taken knockoff. It's Aww. like Liam Neeson holding a gun, so of course. Which, I wonder if he's annoyed with being typecast. Probably not if he's rich. But uh, given Martin Campbell and those ratings, I want to see it and see if I agree with Tommy. So I might have to... Circle back on that one. Have you explored... This is an aside. Yeah. And I'm just... Have, I'm drunk and I have synapses firing. Yes. Have you explored much of Liam Neeson's um, filmography in terms of movies and things? I, I think I've actually seen quite a few. If you have specific questions, let me know. No, there's a movie that I want to ask if you've seen... He he is in a lot of the same shit. He, I mean, like with recycled is. So plots. like you talk about typecast, but there's a movie that he's slightly typecast... You check it out, but while you're typing, because I know you can, you can do this. Tell me if it is or is not the end of the world with Senepas Le Fin du Monde. That is the best IPA I think I've ever had in my Whoa. life. Whoa! It's a lot. You need to take a sip. You got to be kidding! You or is it just because like you have a nice like healthy buzz going you, on already? You must take a sip. All right, tell me the movie while I'm sipping. The movie is called The Gray. Mm-hmm. You've seen that? The Wolf Boy. What would I, uh, I? I would love to like revisit that with you. But what were your thoughts on that movie? This is totally random. It was good. I, I remember. I remember liking it, especially because you I know the, the man it. versus wild thing, and it he wasn't out shooting a thousand people like every other movie that he's usually I in, like loved a psychological it. thriller. Or whatever. And I loved the ambiguity of the ending. Yeah, it, it was cool. I I saw it. I think that was a red box film for me. Like in my late teenage, early twenty years, it came out in two thousand and eleven. Okay, so. 
so uh, early 20s. Cause, yeah, you know, so this would be like mid-college. Kurtz and I would, you know, red box shit and go watch it down in the basement. And that was just the dream. So I'm pretty sure that's when I saw it. Uh, I would totally be down to watch it again. This is very good. Hmm. It's, it's the best it's one really you've ever good. had. And you know what? It, what is not? It's not hoppy. It's incredible. You know what I mean? It. it, it Belgian does not... style IPA. Maybe that's it. Yeah, that's that's a very good beer, and I would say of the three, I I, I don't know if it was my favorite. I, I liked them all a lot. The the first one was so let's do this real quick before we finish. We have one left. Um or two left. The first one was probably the most known quantity. It was like an, an elevated blue moon. The second one, I was just kind of like, oh, it's a high gravity Belgian beer. It's good. I like it. That, that, it was it a didn't nice winter knock beer. My socks off, yeah. Or as you say, blow my socks off. <laughs> this was this was definitely the most interesting. Yeah, this is, this is very, very good. Another fun factoid as we're taking a little um beer break. Beer break. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm going to start pronouncing this Unibro because I feel like if I had a beer company, I wouldn't name it Unibrow. Because That's true. when you hear the word Unibrow for English speakers, we think of an actual Unibrow, which is not Nice. I think I think I like your logic. Let's just roll with that. That reminds me of the the Chevy Nova. Yes, it bombed in Spanish speaking countries because yes. that literally means doesn't don't work. go or doesn't yeah, go. Doesn't Nova. go. Yeah. Another interesting factoid about Unibro: they have a partnership. I think Megadeth, the band or the group. They work in conjunction with them and have like, I think like two beers or something. I need to do more research. I swear I thought one of them was like, not like a partner, yeah, but very invested in this. If we're wrong, just remember uh, we're full of shit and I apologize. And we're drunk. Yeah. So uh, last two, these are series notes. This is going to be kind of obvious. House of the Dragon, 2022, 93 critics, 82 audience. There's nine episodes in the first season, which that's all there's out. I'm assuming they're an hour each. Tommy said must see. So it is a prequel to Game of Thrones uh, for reasons I probably don't have to explain. I don't really see myself watching it. I just don't care. Uh, yeah. Game of Thrones was a terrific show and, and until it wasn't kind of petered out. And uh, it has won. It's one that has not aged well for me. No. You know, there are a lot of shows that over time I kind of look back on them and they withstand the test of time. And I'm like, Jesus, that that was an amazing piece of art. And Game of Thrones had a lot of really incredible, shocking moments and they killed three main characters every episode and blah, blah, blah. It's a quality show, but it just, it hasn't aged super well with me and, and I got what I needed out of it. For I don't me, regret watching it. I just don't think I'm going to invest more time watching House of the Dead. Wow. <laughs> Tom, I, I, can't, I can't wait for Tommy to listen to that. That's an that's an old throwback video game we used to play together that we loved with, with a Dreamcast light gun. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it. I trust Tommy. I'm sure it's it's probably amazing. Yeah, and I would say for so for me when I first got into Game of Thrones, um, I very much loved it. I, I loved the show, and I have no qualms about how the plot of the show, like like the story itself, like. That doesn't bother me. The thing that bothered me, and this comes back to a lot of problems in the modern age, is money 
and they yep. didn't want to spend yep. more money yep, yep, yep. to continue the show with the pacing that it deserved, which is how they had like the first, I'll say five seasons kept a good pace. Everything made for the most part, the events in the show made sense chronologically. And so then you get to season eight and shit's falling apart and like there's plot holes and, and it's like, Oh my gosh, like this dragon flew like what? 400 miles in the span of like two hours. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. So that, that for me was the biggest injustice was the way that they just, it's almost like they took a good functioning working draft horse into a field and shot it in the head. That's you what they also, did because there was so much life left in that show that they could have milked it for and they just let it go. And it's just like, because oh my gosh. you people like you and I kind of dissent and have, you know, we're trying to care more about like giving more TLC to the, to the source material and the art form and all that other kind of thing. I am not naive to the fact that these showrunners are making money and that's oh their God, number yeah. one goal. Yes, they want to have a successful show. Yes, they want to get reviewed well and blah, blah, blah. And they want to win awards. They want to make money. Yeah. And the average person running doesn't give a shit or or watching. They just really don't care about all that. And I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying, you know, I'm being pragmatic. I totally understand why why they made this show. And they're probably going to crank out, you know, as many seasons as they did for Game of Thrones. And if they make a ton of money and people enjoy watching it, then that's fine. There's yep. nothing that that's fine. It's not a big deal. Uh, funny thing though, coming full circle, you recognize this guy who plays, I don't know. Is that Damon or Damon Targaryen? Okay, that's, yeah. that's the Morbius guy. His name is Matt Smith. I, I yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's the, him. The okay. interesting looking guy. Yes. He's so interesting. Yeah. So I, I've definitely he's got seen unique features. I've seen memes of him in a certain scene, uh, like reading something, uh, a piece of, he's like reading some piece of yeah. paper or something like that. So, um, I'm like I've familiar also, with scenes of these just because of memes. Cause I've also seen crossover memes where that actor does something in the show, but they use him from Morbius Oh, that's in hilarious. terms of like, Oh, Damon's going to do this. And they put him, that they, would be really funny. And they use him cause, cause he's, or he in, was Milo or Milo, whatever the fuck uh, in, in Morbius, whatever he was in Morbius, but yeah. because he's in, in, yeah. yeah, Morbius is good for memes. Maybe that's uh, apparently. Yeah. So here's the last one, and we're going to end this on a thought-provoking note. Hmm. Tommy watched, I sure hope this is what he's talking about anyways. I I, I can't imagine it's not, because all he said was monster. Uh, I'm assuming he is talking about Dahmer, monster. The Jeffrey Dahmer story, the limited series on Netflix, which set, you know, zillions oh of God, records yeah. and blah, 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 blah. 2022, 59 critics, 83 audience, uh, 10 episodes, one hour each. His recommendation is a watch. He also said he just watched the first episode. That was whenever he sent this message, which I think was like mid-October. So I actually haven't checked in with him. I will, I'm going to have a surrogate recommendation from uh, friend Jake Kurtz. I'm going to do a, a financial episode with him also by the end of the year. So stay tuned for that. But uh, he told me I absolutely need to watch it, and he knows how I am about TV show recommendations. He was like, Alex, you got to watch this, you of all people. So I was like, all right, cool. Anyways, the reason I say like kind of on a, on a philosophical, thoughtful note here is I am still undecided on how I feel, and I want to ask the listeners and you, Tara, about 
how you feel about like glorying, glorifying serial killers. Absolutely not. It. So I don't it's know. It's something that I think I've soured on over the years. I don't know, Alex, if you, so I don't know if you saw anything about this or read anything about this on like either social media, the whatever news outlets when Dahmer came out the families of those, the victims, I don't think they had any idea that that show was coming out. That's insane. If, and imagine truly insane. imagine how long ago was Dahmer, um, prevalent. Like when, when did he, when did he operate? Maybe. Okay. So go ahead. Imagine you have a very close family bond with an individual that was one of his victims and you 78 to 91. Yeah. Okay. So, started, so that's that's, I was born in 91. Yeah. So imagine, um, you know, and maybe some of our listeners, I don't know your ages and whatnot, but even still like it, it just imagine someone very close in your nuclear family li- literally could be a sibling, whoever, f- father, son, whatever it is. Um, I mean, imagine having to go through the trauma itself. You have to live through that trauma. You have to somehow manage that and get yourself to a point where you can manage everyday life and live in the world. And so you get to that point and then you have this invasive show created that kind of dissects it, glorifies it, shows it, and then you've got just this, this fanaticism of people that watch the show, like this past Halloween was a huge thing. Like there were parents dressing up their kids, like five-year-old children as Jeffrey Dahmer. And I'm like, in my (laughs) head, I'm like, imagine, imagine being someone who lost someone that this guy like ate, ate. Yeah. I mean, you've got people glorifying him and dressing up as him. And it's just like Wikipedia and his, Oh my gosh, his names by the, the sensational media were the Milwaukee cannibal and the Milwaukee monster. Like that's what these guys in, in many cases are seeking is that, you know, that indelible mark in the, like the darkest, most twisted annals of history. And, uh, you know, I've made jokes that like, I've got my Dahmer look going on because literally I want aviator glasses. I I want people (laughs) to leave me the fuck alone. So I want people to cross the street for me. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. I mean, I don't know. It just sucks. It makes me feel weird. I probably won't watch Dahmer because I mean, I'm not into there's, it. There's a lot of great pieces of of media that I really have enjoyed. I, I guess so. One that comes to mind is Zodiac, the movie. Terrific movie. To my knowledge, they never, never identified. Yeah, Ted and Cruz is a Zodiac killer. I don't. Yeah, that's right. Great. Speaking <laughs> anyone, of memes, okay. quality memes. Yeah, that, well, that, that shit was great. I remember. Okay, and. Again, this is drunk Tara. When Vine was a Here thing, we go. Um, and I don't know, did Ted Cruz ever run? He didn't run for president. Yeah, he did. did. He? Okay, when Ted Cruz was running for president on Vine, there were Vines compilations where people were comparing um, all these different pictures of like Ted Cruz to like other people that look exactly like him, and they're like Ted Cruz is a Zodiac killer. And that was just a huge explosion. So, so some people that had Vine, if you're old enough and you are in Vine, you might have seen these. That's what the Zodiac Killer reminds me. By the way, he 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 was in the primaries. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it was never like Cruz versus you know the Democratic candidate. He had interest. He like he threw his name in the hat for like consider me. He he should have. I remember. I swear there were a couple times when he like kind of poked 
poked fun at himself over them, which that was the right decision. That yeah. that's the right thing to do there because it's fucking hilarious. But yeah, the. I don't know. It, it's it's a very strange, touchy subject, and putting yourself in the shoes of like you were talking about, Tara, the the victims' families and things. Like it, I feel like in our culture we incentivize this type of this uh, psychotic behavior and you know insanely aberrant, violent behavior because people want to have a Wikipedia page after they're gone. And whenever we give them this coverage and we give them these nicknames and we make fucking TV shows, it it's, I mean, look, look at the three murderers skit on South Park, which again, objectively hilarious, but also just not a great thing because we're giving people that Avenue. I mean, look at the movie natural born killers. That is a scathing yeah. indictment of the way our media treats these these uh, personalities. Oh yeah. It, you know, and it just, that's I, a great movie. You should totally yeah, watch that I, movie. Honestly, natural born killers. It, it's not even obviously murders uh, on the table there, but like, so many other just really horrible um, human situations. And it, they're included in movies and media because it gets views and it's so gritty and like, Oh my God, the shock and horror. And it's like, well, it's eyeballs well, equals money. Mon- yeah. Eyeballs equals money. And then also at some point you just desensitize yourself to that entirely. And it's yeah. just like, well, if you, if you watch every other movie you watch has, you know, rape in it in, in violent rape or, or, you know, torture or, or like the Jeffrey Dahmer thing, like cannibalism, like, you just become so desensitized to that. And then you see that happening in real life, even if it's not just some fictionalized, um, you know, retelling. Yeah, it's and, just, I, I don't know. Like where, and where I also, do you save the I, I also don't want to draw the line and say that, you know, I, I think media is responsible for violence. Uh, and when I say media, I mean TV and video games and everything else, you know, like, Oh no, it's the audience. You, you know, you can't, you can't blame doom for Columbine. You just can't. I, I, I don't think there's, there's any validity to that argument. And I don't want directors to stray away from making incredible films like the silence of the lambs and Hannibal and that whole thing. Of course, you know, one could certainly argue that that was inspired. It probably was inspired by Dahmer. There's a lot of inspiration, but I will say silence of the lambs for as far as I know is fiction. Yeah. yeah, It it includes freakness, like freaky, freaky shit that isn't good. But it's all fiction where you start like, like, um, you know, some people that are just so obsessed with watching all the, the real, like nonfiction serial killers and just dissecting it and going like way into it. Like, man, that, that deserves to be like in your own like browser history and you do your own research. It doesn't need to be on Netflix yeah, getting we, views. We, I don't know. We've That's officially just... moved over into drunken ramblings. I can definitely opinions, feel this, yeah. this terrific IPA hitting me. Um, I will... I, I will say that I think that, I mean, this is just a microcosm of huge yeah. problems in the country and in the world. And like in many cases, there aren't strong enough. We we don't de-incentivize crime the way that we should as much in some case, you know, in, maybe in the mind of really messed up people, we in, incentivize it. And that's a really bad thing. Like I, you know, if you, if you catch one of these guys, like what if it's just like, all right, we just found you guilty, and then you execute them two days later. I and here's I'm I'm not even as a Christian for Dahmer. 
he, he had like a 13 year old or, or like a young man, a teenager who he was sodomizing and, um, the kid escaped the house, was running down the street, like bleeding out of his orifices and, um, saw cops. The cops, oh, yeah, I did. the I cops gave the this, kid yeah. back to Dahmer. Yeah. Like, holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. And, and again, I, I don't want to go. Yeah. It's insane. I don't want to go too down, too far yeah. down the rabbit Absol- hole. And, but and like, then, yeah, yeah. It, so as, you know, as, as a Christian, I have to say that I'm not supposed to be in favor of the death penalty as, as a human being. Like somebody like that needs to die. Period. I mean, just if we, end of story. So if we just put you on a mountaintop <laughs> yep. and we just leave you there. I test stupa well, we and push them off. You. No, we tie you Mid-summer. to the rock and you just sit there. I'm, I just tried to tie it back to movies since yeah. we just got so far off the rails. But uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening. Um, <laughs> if you Crap, made it this far. Crap Ted's podcast, yeah, if you haven't tuned out by now. Um, thank you for listening. Again, if you enjoyed, we would love for free uh, smashing in a five-star rating on whatever platform that you're on, unless it's some weird platform that I don't even know what you're on. That's fine, too. Um that's the first thing. The second thing, highly recommended. Go out and find yourself that Unibro. Bro. You said you want to go with bro. Unibro. Unibro uh, variety six pack. Check out that Senepa La Fin du Monde and their flagship beer. And then uh, also the other ones, which we're probably going to enjoy sometime very soon. And as always, uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback, craftheadspodcast at gmail.com. If you have been a long time listener and want to get more involved with other people such as yourself, you would be surprised how many people have been supporting us literally since day one. And I am eternally grateful to them. And so is Tommy. Um, hit me up or, you know, just subscribe on, uh, on Patreon. I trust me. If you do, I will reach out to you directly. So with, uh, I think that's about it. Yeah. I was actually, I should have said this at the beginning. Um, the, the discord mm-hmm. um so alex does this fancy little spreadsheet where he lists all the movies the ratings the year oh, yeah. all that and then um our or you know watch skip whatever and he puts them in the discord thank you um, tara shout out to long time even before craft heads luke a listener and supporter because he was one of the he asked about that he emailed me the one time he was like hey do you keep a list of all of this stuff Blah, 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 you know, because I'm trying to, like, take notes when I'm listening and I'm doing something else. And I, I, it was funny because I told him, I was like, as a matter of fact, yes, I do. We have the Discord. It's in a chat. And I sent him the charts. You know, I'm not going to withhold them from him. But I was like, if you want to support, they're in there, and I'm going to continue to post them in there. So he joined. And uh, also, shout out to another longtime listener and supporter, Wes. The one thing that we didn't get to cover this year, maybe Tommy and I will do one later. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I do love Spotify wrapped every year. I think that's a blast. I think that is just such a brilliant thing that Spotify has done. And on Wes, he, you know, we were sharing screen, screenshots in the Discord, and Craftheads was number three in his most listened to podcast behind two sports podcasts. Ooh, that's awesome. So we were his number one non-sports podcast, and I am honored and humbled by that. Thank you, Wes. Shout out to you. And uh, I promised you at a minimum of two episodes this month. Here's the first one. There's going to be another one for sure. So cheers to everybody. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode. See ya.